Hello, everybody, and welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Preview Show. I am Justin Cashman. He is Preston Stober. He is Alex Frank. Let's get this thing going. We've got a big game coming up this week. Week three, two winless teams. How are we feeling? Uh, <laughs> well, it's a winnable game. The Bengals can win this game, but uh, to be honest, a little not confident, not pretty confident, a little shaky right now. I mean, look, this is not, like I said, this is not a bad Bengals team. I think we knew last year through two games what this team is going to be like, and yet two weeks through this season, I, I, I don't know. I think they can be very competitive. They've shown it through the first two games. It's just that it, they have to fix some glaring weaknesses. Now, the good news is you've had 10 days, so you're on extended rest. Philadelphia is not, and they're reeling with injuries. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this game is uh, very exciting. You got you obviously got to hope that the Bengals get in the win column here. And when you look at it, the Bengals are eight points away from being 2-0. Now, I know they scored at the end against the Browns and would have took a crazy onside kick, but those are two games that the Bengals are right in and hope to just see them get in the win column here against the Eagles. And like you said earlier, Alex, there's not going to be no fans at Lincoln Financial. So this is going to be interesting because you look at the injury report, and the Eagles are pretty banged up. You look at guys like Fletcher Cox, who probably be questionable after having a, what is it? Uh, He didn't practice on Thursday, and so it's likely he'll be out for the game on Sunday. And then they already declared Jalen Rager and Alshon Jeffrey out. So they're going to be without a couple of their biggest weapons. And so... You know, we're looking at the injury report, hoping, you know, maybe the Bengals can get lucky and have some of these guys be out. But that's not what you want. I mean, you want to have, I mean, you want to you be put in a place where you have the best opportunity to win, but you want to face the team's best players because that's how you know how your team truly faces up against the other team's best players. But I would argue that you are going to face Philadelphia's best players because where they excel in their passing game and what makes it so unique is their tight ends. Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, those two guys are who this offense runs through in the passing game. We look at Philadelphia's numbers from a year ago, and then we'll take a look at what they've done through the first two games. The Eagles last year, because of all the injuries to their wide receivers, Carson Wentz became the first quarterback in the history of the National Football League to have 4,000 passing yards and not have one wide receiver over 500 yards receiving. Last year, Philadelphia was led by Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz, 88 catches, 916, and 6 touchdowns. Those are wide receiver numbers. Mm -hmm. But Zach Ertz is one of the best, excuse me, tight ends in the NFL. Dallas Goddard has the number two tight end, kind of that decoy to Zach Ertz. 58 catches, 607 yards, 5 touchdowns. The leading receiver in terms of receptions was Alshon Jeffrey at 43. 43! And yet this team went 9-7 and with all the injuries that they had. The defense wasn't very good. Carson Wentz carried that team to a postseason berth. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, I think they could have beaten Seattle in the wild card round. Now we look at the first two games. If you don't mind pulling up the box scores in the first two games for Philadelphia. So Philadelphia has played, obviously, two games so far this season. They, they played at Washington and uh, home against the Rams. You look at the first quarter plus of the Washington game. They looked really good. But ever since then, they've been outscored 64 to 19. 64 to 19. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the hit the nail on the head there. 
Um, and then you talked about the tight ends. I mean, I look at this. Uh, Carson Wentz has thrown two touchdown passes this year, both to one of each of his tight ends. Um, and then you also got to look at the running backs. They have a good running back uh, room, and uh, they can obviously come out of the backfield and make some make some plays uh, in the passing game. And yeah, you talk the uh, the Eagles. They were way up on the Redskins, and it looked like they were going to get a Week One win. And then after that kind of falls apart, then they kind of get uh, blown out by the uh, Rams last week. So hopefully, maybe if they can continue this downward spiral, maybe the Bengals can capitalize on that here in this week's game. But okay, so we mentioned Philadelphia and the injuries that they've had, and Ertz and Goddard had both touchdowns in the Washington game. But what, Carson Wentz hasn't thrown a touchdown since then. He's not thrown one touchdown since then, and he's also thrown four interceptions, two interceptions in each of his first two games. This, I mean, you, you, coming into the season. My thinking with Philadelphia was their offense is really good. Their defense might be underrated. I, I like Fletcher Cox. I think they have talent in other areas. But think about the players they lost on defense from last year. Nigel, Nigel Bram, great linebacker. Uh, compliments of Brandon Graham, who we know um, made the biggest play maybe in defense, defensive Philadelphia, Philadelphia defensive history in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. Uh, Ronald Darby, now with Washington. Uh, Timmy Jernigan, Malcolm Jenkins, Andrew Sandejo. But these are these are household names that Philadelphia's defense lost from last year. Vinnie Curry left. He's now back with the team. Fun fact, although I think he's injured. Shocker, as is the entire roster. Um, yeah, this, this roster is decimated by injuries. But the offense, to me, Carson Wentz, if we view him as a top 10 quarterback, franchise quarterback, he's not getting it done right now. And I remember on Monday, Alex, we were kind of talking about this, but a reporter asked uh, Doug Peterson, they go, well, why is Carson Wentz regressing? in year five and you know if a reporter were to ask me that question as a head coach I'd be like oh well you know I don't I don't think he's regressing he just had a slow start to the season he'll pick it up I think it's just a matter of getting him more involved with the offense but he said oh I don't uh he's I think he was like oh I don't we don't have the answer for that right now or I'm not no, really he's, sure no I think he said have have you ever played quarterback before wasn't it that no it was I'd have, I'll have to get the exact quote on it, but he didn't come out and basically say what I said I would say. And it's just kind of like, well, it doesn't really sound like he has a whole lot of confidence in Carson Wentz right now. And Carson Wentz, I mean, just like we just touched on it, he, he's, he has a lot of turnovers. He's thrown, what, four interceptions in the first two games. And I think that's something that we really need to capitalize on because this is not something that the Bengals defense is really great at is forcing turnovers. So if William Jackson can come out, Darius Phillips can come out and capitalize on a couple wide receivers that are injured, then I think this is really going to be the turning point for this game is if we can, you know, this defense steps up, maybe forces a couple fumbles, gets an interception or two. I think that's really going to be the biggest thing that we need to do for this week. Yeah, and also another key player on defense who makes his return this week, debut this season, Sean Williams. And you know he's a really good guy. He's a really good player to have as far as forcing turnovers are concerned. Not only is he great at you know snagging interceptions in the secondary, but he can also get after the quarterback. And we know Carson Wentz is prone to fumbling the football too. So there, there are ways that you can attack Carson Wentz, and I think you just have to do that. You can't, you can't sit back and let him dink and dunk all over the field to his tight ends, to Miles Sanders, which we haven't touched on him yet. Boston Scott, their running backs. You have to get after Carson Wentz. Having Mike Daniels this week. Also playing, Justin, you told us before we uh, came on the show, that's really critical as well. So that makes me feel a little more confident going into this game. But again, we know what Philadelphia can do when they're playing at a high level and they're clicking. Absolutely. And you talk about the, um, un, like the incompetence and uh, um, Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz a little bit there. Um, 
And don't forget, I mean, they took a Jalen Hurts in the, in the second round of the draft. I'm not saying that it's likely we see him, but I don't know if you guys saw it, but Carson Wentz was booed off the field with no fans in the stadium last week. That was hilarious. Yeah, so somebody <laughs> in the audio crew at, at uh, the Eagles Stadium decided to boo him off the field. But um, I'm not saying it's likely, but I definitely think that it's not impossible that we see Jalen Hurts if, if Carson Wentz is a little bit rough. I was questioning why the Eagles took Jalen Hurts in the second round when you clearly are investing in Carson Wentz. Or at least I think they are. Now, you bring up Doug Peterson doesn't have a lot of confidence in Carson Wentz. I don't, I don't really believe that because the times that he has had to go... The, the one time he went to Nick Foles in 2018, Carson Wentz was injured. And because he had been injured before, what's that going to make you do as a head coach? You don't want him to get hurt. If anything, Doug Peterson has been a Carson Wentz protector. I mean, my goodness. So we look at Philadelphia's draft. They took Jalen Rieger in the first round. Terrible pick. Guy's already out now with a core muscle injury. So that's a wide receiver. Now, I, I argue they should have drafted Justin Jefferson. If you are a, if you're a vertical passing team, which I think the Eagles are, take the guy who was so dominant in vertical passing last year at LSU with Joe Burrow. Uh, they took Davion Taylor in the third round, outside linebacker out of uh, Colorado. Kevon Wallace, uh, defensive back from Clemson. Jack Driscoll, who started week one against Auburn. But that's another thing, too, guys. We haven't mentioned this yet. Philadelphia's offensive line, tail of two games. First game against Washington, pitiful. What, they give up eight sacks in that game? Yeah, eight, eight sacks. sacks. You watch the game against the Rams... Solid as a rock. Yeah. No sacks. That was all Carson Wentz. And the inside of their offensive line is a little banged up. I believe it was their starting left guard and right guard. Or Isaac Suamelo yeah. is out with a knee injury. And then, but I mean, they still have the good tackle duo, you know, Lane Johnson and Jason Peters. Lane Johnson makes that offensive line so much more athletic with what he's able to do. Because he, yeah, he's big and strong and all that. But at the same time, that, that man is athletic. Mm-hmm. And you saw, I saw it against the Rams this morning. He, you know, he's, he, that's what he gives this offensive line. Something they did not have in the Washington game against yeah. the, an athletic pass rush. Go ahead. And they didn't give up a single sack against the Rams. And the Rams defensive line isn't a bunch of spring chickens. They're, you know, <laughs> you know, they have yeah, some they guys. Have Aaron that, Donald. <laughs> he's all right. Aaron Donald, but they also have guys like Leonard Floyd and Sebastian Joseph Day. These aren't terrible pass rushers. But, I mean, you think about the Bengals pass rush this season, it's been, you know, just through two games, that hasn't been much. I mean, I think two sacks registered in the first game and then none in the, against the Browns. So that's something that, I mean, especially without Geno Atkins, that's, I mean, that's something I'm really worried about because that's going to translate to the second level, to the linebackers. And, you know, these linebackers haven't proven that they are solid tacklers and solid playmakers. And so I don't know about you. I Like you mentioned, it is going to be big having Mike Daniels back, but Geno Atkins is that guy that kind of brings it all together. And so... Personally, for me, that's one of my biggest concerns is this offense, or sorry, excuse me, this D-line, but more so the linebackers that are going to be affected by the lack of defensive line um, playmakers. Yeah, and then especially when you look at the um, Eagles running backs. I mean, they have three guys that can really make plays at any time. And I think that especially when you look at the Bengals uh, linebackers, I mean, that's, that's definitely a concern a little bit. Um, especially like out of the backfield, maybe in the pass game, you know, maybe trying to get um, beyond the linebackers for a good game uh, from Carson Wentz on the pass. But I definitely think that that is definitely a concern 
Um, like I said, when you look at these running backs, I mean, you got Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Corey, uh, Corey Clement. I mean, that's that's three guys that can really make plays at any time. So I think that's definitely something to watch out for. We saw that with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That's what mm-hmm. makes me think. And I remember we were going through the list of running backs the Bengals are facing coming up. Well, that starts this week with Miles Sanders. I mean, what he's done through the first two weeks of the season, I'm sorry, he didn't play in the first game, but he looked pretty good. Uh, scroll up for a minute if you don't mind. Uh, last week, Miles Sanders had uh, 20 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown, and then on the receiving end, he had three catches for 36 yards. So, th- I mean, he last year he had a really good rookie season, and he's only I think I think he's only going to get better from here. Like this is another example of a, of a running back you're facing it that is a dual threat running back. I mean, he had 50 catches last year out of the backfield for 509 yards and three touchdowns, and that's with a you know an offensive line that. Um, at times wasn't very wasn't very good and uh, a quarterback in Carson Wentz who had his moments last year but uh, towards the end of the season he came through this this offense the numbers from last year they were 14th in total yards 11th in rushing 11th in passing 12th in scoring fourth and third down percentage I mean they they can put up yards and points and they may not they the first two games of the season may not indicate that but from last year, we know that this offense is pretty dynamic and pretty lethal, even yeah. when not healthy. And I think your only hope right now, I mean, just looking at how the Bengals have played the first two weeks is, you know, maybe not stop them, but just kind of contain them, you know, kind of that I mentioned against the Browns, there's that huge fourth and goal stop, the bend but don't break defense, which ended up breaking quite a few bit, quite a bit later on in the game. Um, but like Miles Sanders, yeah, he's had a good start to the year, but... Um, you know, Boston Scott, he only had four carries for 19 yards in this past game. And then who else was it? Corey Clement. He's been really not, he hasn't played very much this first few games. So, I mean, hopefully Miles Sanders is obviously going to be their bell cow uh, ball carrier. So as long as they can, you know, maybe hold him to 80 or less yards, I think that get, opens up this, you know, passing game for the Carson Wentz. And judging by how he's played the first few games, I think that's going to be better for the Bengals secondary, especially with Sean Williams back, who has forced you know, what was it, five interceptions in 2018 and three in 2019. So it's definitely going to be get big to have him back. You said it. I mean, we – yeah, I haven't seen much from Corey Clement for the first two games. I think he got some action in the Washington game, but didn't have any carries in the game against the Rams. And, you know, with the Eagles, it's been a tale of two games with their with their offensive line. Like I said, the first game they were – the, the pass rush of Washington was just so relentless. And then you look at the second game, Lane Johnson comes back, and the right side at least is fine. Now, obviously, the left side with Isaac Suamelo being out, I mean, the, there are a lot of questions with this Eagles team. And But you go to the significance of this game. It's two 0-2 teams, and this Eagles team is beatable. I said it before this season even started. Philadelphia will lose a game in September that makes you scratch your head. Last year, it was Detroit. The year before that, it was Tampa Bay and Tennessee. This year, they lose to Washington. You're going, what the heck? And then the Rams game, that wasn't a shock to me as as far as them losing, but the way they lost the game. The Rams torched their defense. And, you know, Jim Schwartz was under fire this week for the game plan, for keeping it too simple. And you look at what the Rams did. Play action, misdirection. Wish our offense could do that. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of tired of the Bengals kind of being that rebound game for teams, you know. 
teams that have not played well to be at the beginning of the season or just had a bad stretch and it's like oh well we got the Bengals this week so you know we'll be able to turn it around and maybe get some momentum going forward I think we kind of saw that with the Browns they got crushed by the Ravens which I mean then again it's the Ravens but then they turned it right around and beat the Bengals pretty handedly I mean they looked really well against us and then I don't want the Eagles coming in 0-2 to be like oh well you know we had a bad start to the season but you know we're going to beat the Bengals pretty handily and we're going to get right back on track because I feel like that's been the narrative for so many years now and I feel like it's just easy for the media to look at this game and be like well it's the Bengals it's the Eagles both have had 0-2 starts but the Eagles are obviously more talented than the Bengals I mean Colin Coward he, I mean he picked the Bengals but that's about the only guy I've seen come to bat for the Bengals this week yeah absolutely I mean and you talk about having to kind of uh, flip the script there and I think that these next two weeks, the Bengals could absolutely do that. When you got the Eagles and then you got the Jags, I think that the Bengals could very easily um, become a 500 team after week four. And you talk about trying to attack the defense, and I think for the Bengals' offense, it's just another week, same story. Um, the offensive line, you just gotta gotta hope and pray that they give Joe Burrow enough time. And then, I mean, we all know that the Bengals have a lot of weapons on the and the uh, skill player wise, and obviously he lost Uzama. But Drew Sample had a big week last week. He was very promising. Very he nice to see seven, him. Yeah, seven receptions, I think. And then we talked about uh, Mike Thomas. You know, Mike Thomas had a big week, had a, had a good, uh, had a good cut, touchdown catch. And then we saw T. Higgins make some plays. I mean, this is a special uh, – this is a skill group that can really make a lot of plays against this Eagles defense. Um, and I just hope that, that we kind of see that come to fruition. Well, I mean, you lose a game the way they did to Cleveland, and obviously the biggest takeaway for me was how bad the rush defense was. But at the same time – A.J. Green at three catches on 13 targets. That, that's not going to happen very often. So you, you've, played, you've played well enough to win your first two games, but you just haven't won yet. And that's why I think the Bengals, can, if they win on Sunday, they can totally break through. You want, you, we talk about they missed an opportunity to change the narrative, so to speak, on Thursday night last week against the Browns. Here's another opportunity for you to do that against Philadelphia. You can put this together. You can go on the road. I get it. There's no fans in Lincoln Financial Field. Listen, it's still a road game against a very good football team. The record may not indicate it, but I still think they're a good football team in Philadelphia. And you can get some momentum. Because what we've seen is, yes, it sucks that fans can't go to the games. That's not stopping these teams. How many home teams won last week? I think a majority of the teams who played at home. The Raiders opened their stadium at home. They won. There weren't fans there. The Rams opened up at home. Uh, week one, they won their game. The Chargers opened up at home last week. They played their first game in a brand new stadium. They nearly took down the Chiefs. What I'm saying is, it doesn't matter. You look at teams that are winning. Excuse me, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Seattle. Seattle. They played in New England. Mm-hmm. So, you no fans. Yes, might be an advantage as far as you know, being able to you know hear the play calls and you know communicate whatever. But it's not that much. Of a, it's not that much of a disadvantage because these teams are still going to play with a lot of energy. Washington beat Philadelphia at home without fans. I'm just saying. And I think it just comes down to you know these guys are pros. I mean, we, I remember we talked about this before the season even started. These guys are pros. They know they're going to come out there and play with the same intensity that they do every week. I mean, it might be a little different because after a sack or an interception, you might not get that huge crowd chant that you're used to, but. Other than that, you know, these guys are celebrating with their teammates, they're scoring touchdowns, they're excited. And it's really not that much different. And so I feel like as long as the Eagles, you know, I mean, I know Lincoln Financial is known for having those crazy Eagles fans, but I don't, I mean, I can hope 
that the Bengals can come in and not be intimidated on the road because you saw Joe Burrow going into Cleveland and it was what 6,000 fans I mean 6,000 in a stadium that holds well like 70,000 plus you know so it's a really it's really not that much but I think that just goes to show that I mean he's confident in his arm he's confident in his uh playing ability even if there were a bunch of fans I still think that he would have played well um but I want to kind of talk about the AJ I don't know if you saw the AJ Green press conference where he was talking about well these first two games I'm just not I'm just kind of feel rusty I just don't really feel like I'm you know like the same not he didn't say the same AJ but that's basically kind of what he said he just doesn't feel like he's been able to get involved with the play calling as much and I want to ask you guys because to me personally I just feel like that's kind of an excuse you know you're what 31 years old you've been in the NFL for nine ten years at this point and I know that you haven't played very much with Zach Taylor as your head coach I get that but I feel like you need to be that guy for Joe Burrow that's going to step up and make these down the field plays these big catches and these big moments and I know that we have other guys like Tyler Boyd and um, John Ross and T Higgins but I just don't want to see AJ making these excuses because when he said that the media were kind of like well is he getting old or has he just played these good corners that have done good play calling to you know stop him from making these big plays like he's used to so what do you think like do you think that AJ is able to turn it around or do you think it's rust or do you think he's you know just getting old I completely disagree with what you're saying I don't think it's an excuse at all I think it's actually the truth and I actually like that AJ Green is saying that because I just I was just reading something that Ben Baby wrote on ESPN who covers the Bengals and you know, talking about the, the, the time between him and Joe, A.J. Green and Joe Burrow has been off, and I, I think it said, I can pull up that exact article, but what I'm saying is I, I actually like what he's saying because the timing has been off, and you're seeing that the Burrow-Green connection is not there yet. This guy hasn't played since 2018, and when you factor missing the uh, a majority of the back half of that season, the entire season in 2019, no offseason, no OTAs, you know, a training camp that wasn't normal, but that's not an excuse like you're saying. But at the same time, look, you go up against Casey Hayward and Denzel Ward. Those are two of the better corners in the league. Now, this week, I mean, you could be, when we look at the corners from Philadelphia. Probably I mean, have Darius Slay on green. They probably will put Darius Slay on green. I, Darius Slay is a, a great corner, don't get me wrong. But he's not a, a, I don't think he's, I don't think he's better than Casey Hayward or Denzel Ward. Or, you know, certainly he's not at the level of a Stephon Gilmore um any other great corner that AJ Green has gone up against in, in his career, but look, you can't you can make excuses excuses, but at the same time, there there is reason to what AJ Green is saying, and I think he's actually looked solid. Look, the game against the Browns, I think that's going to prove to be an outlier. Okay, Burrow missed him several times. Denzel Ward was playing great coverage on him. He was being covered heavily throughout the entire game. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, he played well against the Chargers. He led the Bengals in receptions targets and yards so and, and if he's he, if he's saying he's rusty it's a good rust don't you think yeah I, i'm kind of a mix of both of you i think that it's not just a straight excuse i think that he definitely has a reason to think um you know it's been a while um you know i i've come through injuries got a new quarterback haven't had you know the training that i usually have before the season but also i want to see uh aj green kind of step up maybe not even just say that stuff just say you know i got to do better because you look at this receiving core I mean this is a young group and then you got AJ Green a veteran I would like to just see AJ Green just come out and say you know I just got to do better not even not even explain any of the other stuff which I mean I mean it's kind of knick-knack you know it doesn't really matter that much but yeah like you said I mean I think this Browns game is also going to kind of be an outlier um, by the end of the season when we look back on it I mean 
Um, Denzel Ward just had the game of his life. I mean, he played amazing. I mean, he he was all over the field yeah. making plays. Um, so yeah, I kind of I agree with both of you um, in a certain way. Um, and I think AJ Green will definitely come out and have a much better uh, season than he had last week. And AJ Green historically against the Browns, outside of a, a handful of games, has struggled against them. And that's been with several defensive coordinators on, on that side of the ball and, and up that and on that side of I seventy one up north, whatever it is. Uh, anyway. I I'm totally I w- I'm with you. I think he's gonna have a he's gonna have a still have a great season. I think, or at least a really good season. I, I, it wouldn't shock me this week if he goes for like 800 and a touchdown. It wouldn't because I I think if performances do. There's there's been 10 days in between games for the Bengals. They've had time to figure some things out. One of those is AJ Green. Now Zach Taylor could have given them off could could have given them off um, through Monday. Normally, if a team wins on Thursday night, that's, that's how it works. And maybe they still did that. I'm not sure. But at the same, but at the same time, like, look, there's a lot of things that need to be figured out with this team. Tackling, rush defense, run blocking. I mean, Ju- Justin, you and I were down here Monday. I mean, we, I mean, we were going off on the defense and the blocking because, and here's the thing. Those two things are the reasons why the Bengals have lost the previous, their first two games of the season. And normally when a team loses two in a row, you think about, well, okay, well, what's, what's going on here? With the Bengals, not only are you, are you talking about that, but you're talking about the, the fact that it's a microcosm of what's been taking place here for the last 29 years. And 29 years out of 52, the total number of years that this franchise has been in existence is quite a bit, it's quite a huge sample of this. So the, that's why this game to me, you draft Joe Burrow, who had so much aura surrounding him coming out of college, way more than Carson Palmer ever did. And Carson Palmer was viewed as a savior with Marvin Lewis. And you thought the franchise was going to turn around then. It did, and then it went straight back into irrelevancy. You're 52, year, you're 52 years in. Your stadium lease is up in a few years. If you want to build some hope for the future with a roster that I think can win, that I think can be at least competitive, now you might, now you might make some tweaks here and there as guys age and you figure out who can be a asset to your team and a value. Joe Burrow is your guy you need to win this game or else there's going to be questions surrounding personnel. There's going to be questions surrounding Zach Taylor, but there already is, so that's nothing new. Zach Taylor's 2-16 in his career. He's never won a road game, by the way. If you Think about the narrative changed on Sunday. Sure, it could have changed on Thursday, but this is another opportunity. Yeah, I think what the Bengals need to do is say, listen, the Eagles, they have a lot of injuries. Even the guys that might be questionable that might play, they're still not 100%. They need to say, listen, I know that we're 0-2, but we need to go into Philadelphia, a team that is not 100%, a team that has started 0-2, and we need to win this game because th- that is not the narrative that this team has done. They'll go into games that against teams that have not been playing well or that have a lot of injuries, and you just ima- like a normal team would come in and win that game, but the Bengals, they just can't seem to figure it out. It's like... You just don't really have any hope. But like you said, if we came into this game and Joe Burrow played well, even if the offensive line isn't playing very great, I think that he needs to make these big plays, make these big plays down the field. And I think we're right back in it because, you know, this is we're only through two weeks of the season. And I don't want to blow anything out of proportion because, like you said, I mean, there's so much more football to be played. And we see teams all the time that have slow starts or get into kind of, you know, just like sluggish little parts of the season and they turn around and make the playoffs. I mean, look at the Titans last year. I mean, would they finish the season nine or nine and seven? 
And they were two and four. And they almost went to the Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that this team is Super Bowl caliber, <laughs> but this team has a lot of talent on the roster. We drafted Joe Burrow number one for a reason. And if we can't win a game against an Eagles team that has not played well, that the whole NFL national media is kind of looking at and saying, the Carson Wentz isn't what he used to be. This team isn't what it is, like what it was a couple years ago when they won the Super Bowl. If the Bengals win this game, I think that they're, we're right back into the season. I think we look at week four against Jacksonville, a team that just got beat at home by the Dolphins. And not just beat, but got beat badly. And I think that... I think the media will say, look, this Bengals team, I think they're in the right direction for, who knows, maybe a potential playoff berth in that final seat. (laughs) This is just what I'm thinking right now. I just think that this game needs to be won. This game needs to be won. I don't want to just win it. I don't want to just win it in the final seconds. I want to, like, win this game in the third quarter. You know what I mean? I want to see Joe Burrow take over. I want to see him throw two touchdowns in the first half. And I want to see him come... I want to see him come out in the third quarter, lead this team down the field. I want to see this defense get big stops. And I want to win this game in the third quarter because if this game goes into the fourth quarter and, you know, we've lost by a total of eight points this year. And I, I don't want to see a close game. I want to see a blowout because we, when's the last time we saw the Bengals blow out a team? Uh, when's the last time we saw the Bengals win a game in the third quarter? The Browns game week four of 2017. But I wouldn't even consider that. I don't know. To me, I wouldn't that have 30, even. That was 31 to 7. Well, I mean, I, okay. I, you never know with the Bengals. Yeah, so true. I, I don't know about you. Like, what do you want to see on Sunday? What What's like the biggest thing that you want to see this Bengals team do? It could be either as a as a collective, or it could just be individually. Well, you well you laid out a whole menu of high expectations. I mean, gosh forbid if we get that. It'll you know, be, I'm getting amped up right now because I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about the Bengals. We're zero two. I just want to see us it'll win. Be, it'll be a good Sunday. Well, I think we all want to see them win. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we all do, but at the same time, look. Now, okay, I'll, I'll piggyback off what you just said. If the game's over by the third quarter, then you just unleash Joe Mixon. Mm-hmm. Clock eater. I want to see Joe Mixon get like 20, 25 carries this game, which I, think, which I think you can run the ball effectively on this team. I, th- I think so. Like, who's their defensive line? Fletcher Cox? Okay, that's it. He's banged up, which that doesn't really mean anything because he's Fletcher Cox. Yeah. Who else? Uh, Vinny Curry is out. He's out. Malik okay. Jackson. I do worry about him. Yeah. That dude's, that, that dude's a powerful man. He's healthy. He's a powerful human uh, up front. Okay. Well, obviously, I think you got to block first. I mean, yeah. you've, had, you've had 10 days. If Joe Burrow sacked three times in the first quarter, <laughs> you might as well start the fire Jim Turner chance <laughs> right there and then. Uh, just, I mean, we look at – I want to see what, what, they've, what, the, what these players and coaches have been saying ever since we, the – Browns game last week. You got players saying, well, Rome wasn't built in a day, or well, you know, we got to do better, you know, we're going to look at the tape, and we're going to, you know, do everything we can to make sure this tackling gets better, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, okay, here's your opportunity to prove that. You go out there, and you go out there and show that you did that, I'll have a lot of confidence. When we sit here on Monday, and we break down this game, I'll be feeling really good, because the Jacksonville game, not trying to look too far ahead, that game all of a sudden looks like a game the Bengals should win. It's at home. The Bengals should win that game, maybe even by 10, 15 points. And then, not again, not trying to look too far ahead, but you're 2-2, two and two, and you, you have some positive momentum. Then you go into the Baltimore game with house money. They don't have to win that game, right? No. Now, they... I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting them to win. I... Well, this is... I mean, this is the only game that matters, though, and it's an important game. Because it's a winnable game. You lose this game, your season's off the rails. 
And then it's like, if you beat Jacksonville, great. No, win this game on the road, come back home with some momentum. Uh, that uh, Justin nailed it. You nailed it. That's what winning this game can do. And then it shows, okay, they've made some adjustments. I'm not saying the offensive line has to play like all pros. They just have to play competent. If there's one sack or two, fine. If Joe Mixon has, you know, 90 yards on 18 carries, that's fine. I'd love to see him have 25 for like 130. I just hope that in 10 days, you've made some adjustments. Because if there's not, that's another indictment on this coaching staff, which I'm not really sold on right now. Yeah, and you said that you would want to see him win in the third quarter, and absolutely. I mean, I think we'd all just want to see the Bengals go out there and just be somebody because that's not very common. But anyways... You look at, I think that when you look at this, I would also love to see that. But if it does get down to the wire, I would love to see the Bengals just win one at the end. Just, I mean, I don't think that's something that they're really known for. And I look at this roster, and I mean, you got some, I mean, I'd look at, um, you got some of the, the veterans who were here when the Bengals were good. I mean, when the Bengals were one of the better teams in the NFL. And then I look at some of the younger guys, and I mean, you got Sam Hubbard, Von Bell. I think they both went to the playoffs with the highest state. I mean, and then you look at the offense. I mean, Joe Burrow is one of the biggest winners in college football history. I mean, he, he's, he's just a winner. And then, I mean, obviously, look at some of the receiving core. John Ross, I believe, went to the playoffs with Washington. Joe Mixon with Oklahoma. Um, T. Higgins with Clemson. I mean, I think you've got a bunch of winners on this roster. I mean, Jonah Williams played for Alabama, who's just nonstop winning. I mean, I think that you've got a bunch of winners on this roster, and I would like to see them convert that from winning in college, from winning back in, like, 2015, 2016, to winning now. And I think that this is a roster that can do it. And I think this is a week when it kind of shows. And that speaks to the uniqueness of this roster and that it's not one of the younger rosters in the league because there are veterans, uh, Preston, as you mentioned, with A.J. Green, with Tyler Boyd, uh, Joe Mixon. But again, the, they ha- they've played in a lot of close games and they've won some of them. Sorry, I'm not saying that this team hasn't won any close games. They just, have, they just haven't won a close game since uh, week 8 of 2018 against Tampa Bay. So that's 14 straight one-score games that they've lost. That's not You're not winning. You're not going to get into any position of contention in the National Football League if you're losing one-score games. Case in point, look at the Dallas Cowboys last year. Now, they finally got off the, they got off the mats with a one-score victory on Sunday, which, by the way, should never have happened with yeah. the, the game against them. That was a terrible onside kick scenario. That was bad. Yeah, I mean that was like a that was like the best putt in the game of football I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I, Chris Collinsworth said it Sunday Night Football. <laughs> it's like Greg Zerline was making a putt in the U.S. Open. That's how that's how the onside kick what what the onside kick looked like. But at the same time, look, that's what you know. You win a one score game. You can win this game however you want. There's benefits to both what both of you are saying, Justin. If the Bengals dominate this game, I'll feel really good. But. I think I'd be more happy with Preston what you're saying because that shows that they can win a close game. And that builds a lot of confidence if you're able to do that on the road. And don't you feel like that this team is due to win something like that? To win a game like that? I mean, look at what Jesse Bates said the other day. He said that conversation after we lost to the Browns was not pretty in the locker room. I think you're, I mean, you just want to know. And yet they were in a position to win the game. Yeah, and you just want to know. Like, Preston, you talked about this team having a bunch of winners. I mean, how, how many times in college did these guys get, you know, really dug into after losing a game because of a really bad performance? No, guys are coming from huge powerhouse teams in college. Obviously, this is completely different college in NFL, but it's just a, it's just a whole mindset. You, you, when you win in college, when you're winning, like, 
10, 11 games a year, you have that mindset of, you know, it's, we can't be beat. We're, we're this team that has all these guys. We, we have a chance to win the national championship every year. You come in the NFL and you get, you, I mean, you, you're so pissed off because you're losing with a team that just by like however many games they've had within like a few points, all these games that are so winnable, but they got so close and just fell short. And I, I mean, Alex, you said it like this team is due for a win. This team is due because like I feel like years past, I would say like, oh, the Bengals have no chance against the Eagles because it's just the same old, same old. We're going to lose because Eagles have had a slow start and then they're just going to turn it right around against the Bengals. Well, no, I don't feel that same, that same way because just going off of how we played the first few games, I think that this is a game that we can win. I think this is a game that we can win, you know, just like I said earlier, pretty handedly. And so I think that the players are pissed, they're ready to win, and, you know, it's just different from years past for me personally just because of all the new guys that we brought in. And they're, they're coming from winning franchises, the Texans, the Saints, the Ravens, you know, Josh Pines, Von Ball, and DJ Reader. So, I mean, what do you, th- I mean, what do you think? Do you think that these guys are pissed off? Do you think they're ready for, to win, or do you think I same sh- old, same old? I sure as hell hope so. I, I sure hope they are. I mean... And that's the thing, too. Like, these first two games, the Bengals, again, it goes back to the point I made earlier. They're not, I don't think they're a bad football team. I don't think they're bad at all. Last week through the first two games, I guarantee you this, this conversation didn't happen. I don't know for sure if it did after the San Francisco game because I think they knew, I think we all knew how this team was going to be, and that wasn't very, and it was not going to be a very good team. And sure enough, it wasn't. But this year, it's like this team, they built, they, they spent so much money in the offseason. Look, they didn't do anything with the offensive line. Put that aside for a minute. This is about the defense. If the defense goes out there on Sunday and holds the Eagles to, let's say, 17 points, that's going to give the that's going to give the Bengals a chance to win the game. They can't win a shootout game. They, they can be competitive because Joe Burrow is a, is a competitor to the extreme. Don't get me wrong. If Andy Dolan's playing Thursday night last week, they lose 35-10. No question about it. But you now have an unlimited quarterback at, option, quarterback at your disposal. Do everything in your power to give him a chance to win. That that that's not only on the offensive side of the ball with surrounding him with talent, which the Bengals have done. It's it's on the other side of the ball, pulling your way. In this case, limiting what the opposing offense can do. Yeah, I think that um, you know you said earlier that the Eagles are 0-2, but they still feel like a really good football team. I think that especially when you're in the NFL, you can't really look at raw, uh, records. Because, I mean, it's pro football. I mean, games can go either way so many times. Um, I think that last year you said you're sitting here 0-2 and you're looking at this Bengals team and you're, you're not as hopeful this year. I mean, you think you're still very hopeful. And, I mean, we'd be, we'd be having a much different conversation if we lost by three touchdowns to the Chargers and lost by 10 points or uh, 20 points uh, Thursday. But, I mean, I think that when you look at these first two games, and, I mean, yeah, 0-2, not ideal. But, and then you look at the upcoming schedule, these next two games, and you talk about the Baltimore game, but these next two games, I think that it's very hopeful. And I think that you would love to see the Bengals get at least a win out of the last two games. But I think that this week against the Eagles, um, and then next week against the Jags, it's very exciting with this new Bengals roster. It's a very exciting team. It's a very exciting time. Um, You just hope that they are able to kind of turn it around and flip the script, as you said. Yeah, and that's why this game is so important. Because, again, if the Bengals are able to come out with a win, that's going to provide a lot of hope for us as fans. It's going to show the coaching staff can make adjustments over a 10-day period. I, th- look, there are some good things that Zach Taylor has done as head coach. You know, Lou Anarumo has guys to work with this year. 
And I felt like at times, even though as bad as the defense was last year, there were, you know, some flashes of good play on the field. Now, that was against bad teams, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, you know, just it's just a matter of winning one game and providing some. Now, if you go out there and you win ugly, that would not be good. No. I mean, that's something that... Which it probably <laughs> will end up being that way. Yeah, I mean, I, ho- I, mean, I really hope not because I just want to see... I just want to see this team, you know, minimize the mistakes. I don't want to see Joe Burrow get sacked a lot. I mean, not like I want to see him ever get sacked, but, you know, I just want to see this offensive line just clean it up a little bit, play at best just average because I think if they do that... And here's some actually an update on Fletcher Cox, a guy that this offensive line would be going up against. Uh, Zach Berman uh, covering the Eagles for the Athletic. He said that Doug Peterson said Fletcher Cox will try to get some work in today. Will be a game time decision. He said that three hours ago. I would put my money on that he's going to play. Yeah. So if he, if he feels if he feels if Fletcher Cox feels like he can play, he's going to be out there. So that's a guy that the uh, offensive line is going to be going up against. So and then they also are going to be up against Javon Hargraves, who was with the Steelers. So the Bengals are pretty familiar is with Hargrave him. Javon Hargraves playing this week. Uh, yeah, he is. Okay, because yeah. I know he was out So uh, the first two weeks, I believe. Yeah, so we just need this offensive line to just, I mean, they have, the Eagles have a, you know, above average defensive line, so if the Bengals are able to hold up, and what, what was your reaction to Zach Taylor sticking with Fred Johnson at right guard? Were you surprised, or were you, I mean, because obviously he did not play very well against the Browns whatsoever, and I know a lot of us were calling for him to, you know, maybe come in for Bobby Hart at right tackle, because that's what Fred Johnson did at the end of last year. Stepped in at right guard. weren't really sure how we were feeling about it because yeah, I know he played a little bit of right guard in training camp this year, and um, he supposedly he looked good, but he really looked terrible against the Browns. So, I mean, are you? Do you think it was a smart decision by Zach Taylor to just go with what's familiar, or do you think maybe we could bring in a guy like Billy Price who, while isn't proven, you know, maybe he could be an upgrade. We just don't really know. Yeah, and you don't know, so you might as well put you might as well go all in on this game. Like I would put Fred Johnson at right tackle and get Bobby Hart out of there and put Billy Price in. I mean, you, you, again, it goes back to just you don't know what you have until you actually see it. And here's an opportunity for you against the, an Eagles defensive line who, yes, Fletcher Cox kind of masks their uh, deficiencies, injuries, whatever, but he pretty much is their entire D line. But that's just one guy. You know, put Billy Price in there and see what you can get. I I don't see any, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't. No. Now, if Fred Johnson ends up playing well, which pff, that's a uh, pipe dream, if you will, uh, Zach Taylor will look like a genius. But I think it's a, I think it's a terrible move by not giving Billy Price an opportunity. He was supposed to have an opportunity this week, last week against Cleveland. Why didn't you put Fred Johnson in a right tackle for Bobby Hart? I don't think I don't think this coaching staff realizes Bobby Hart is not good. He's not a good offensive lineman. Period. Point blank end the period. Just start uh, Billy Price at right guard. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose in this game either. Especially when you consider that all the injuries Philadelphia has, give them their give them your best shot. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I definitely think that that's kind of the. The way to go, I think you should definitely move Fred Johnson over and then bring Billy Price in. And not that it has a whole lot to do, I mean, um, with the um, aspect of Billy Price coming in. But don't forget, he was teammates with Joe Burrow at Ohio State. And I mean, not that that is a huge thing, you know, that offensive linemen, unless it's a center usually, or offensive linemen and uh, the quarterback or teammates before. But, 
I mean, I, I look at it a little bit. Billy Price, I mean, he's blocking for this guy that he was teammates with in college. I mean, I think that that has a little bit to do with any with a little bit better than blocking for somebody that you've never played with before in your life. Not saying it's a huge deal, but I think that's something to think about there with Billy Price, that he's played with Joe Burrow before. And I, th- I think that you definitely give Billy Price a chance. Yeah, I mean, again, too, the fact that you have to know that if you're Zach Taylor, he's played for, he's blocked for Joe Burrow before. It may not be in a game, but... You think about, even in practice, and think about the defensive lines that, have, that Ohio State has had over the years and who Billy Price has gone up against. I mean, you think about, what, the defensive line in 2016? Who was on that D-line, Justin? You know this better than I would. Um, Are you talking about for Ohio, for Ohio State? State? What was it? Tyquan Lewis, Raekwon McMillan. Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard. I'm probably missing... John, uh, Jonathan Cooper, maybe? Jonathan Cooper. That, that, that Ohio State defensive line was solid. Yeah, and Billy Price went up against that. Even even in 2015, you think about who was up who was up on that D line in 2015. Some guy named Joey Bosa. Remember him? Because I sure do. <laughs> yeah, and Billy Price, like you, I mean, you hit it around right the head. Like he did play against some of the best defensive linemen guys that are in the NFL now in college. And it was interesting to me because I remember on Thursday night, uh, Duke Mannyweather. He's kind of big on Twitter. He's an offensive line scouting and development coach. He works with a lot of guys in the offseason, but I know this past offseason, he worked with Billy Price. And I remember during the game, he tweeted, the answer to the Bengals' offensive line is on the roster, referring to Billy Price. Because then someone followed that up, go, oh, well, Billy Price, you know, he hasn't played very well the first couple years of his career. And he goes, well, I'm honest about what I about my evaluations for these guys. And he'll tell you straight up, you know, I don't think this guy is as good as this other guy. But he was saying that Billy Price is a guy that needs to start for this team. And I don't want to turn this into a Billy Price show, but, you know, Fred Johnson... When it's a glaring weakness, you can absolutely uh, do that. Yeah, and so if Fred Johnson comes out and plays poorly like he did last week, I I just don't want to see any hesitation. I just want to see an immediate, you know, will this work? Bring in Billy Price. What I mean, just like you said, what do you have to lose? Because if you bring him in and he doesn't play well, then just, you know... Better the two evils, you either pin in Fred Johnson, who is playing average, or Billy Price, if he's playing worse, pin it back in Fred Johnson. Billy Price is playing at least somewhat better than just keep him in because it's all we have at this point. I mean, wh- I mean, we really don't have anyone that we can bring in and go, oh, that guy's going to give us. We know that this guy's going to be at least average for us because if we did, he would be starting. We wouldn't have a revolving door for all of these positions. And so it's just... I just want to see Zach Taylor make these smart decisions. I want to see him go with what's working, and if it's not, then I want to see him make these. I want to see him make hopefully an upgrade. I don't. I don't know about you. But I think that's something that we haven't seen much out of Zach Taylor. Um, but I mean, it's something moving forward. If he wants to keep his job, I think that's going to be something that he needs to do. Well, it's a double-edged sword with Billy Price because he hasn't played a lot of games in his career, and he also, you know, has some deficiencies. But he hasn't been able to work on those deficiencies because he hasn't been playing. Again, you don't know what you have if you're Zach Taylor and Billy Price because you've never coached them before. If you, if, if you want to you know what you have, put him out there in a real-life game scenario in a game that's must-win. See what he can do. I guarantee you, if he goes out there and performs well, he's going to be starting week four against Jacksonville and probably the rest of the season. Bobby Hart's not the answer. Why should you spend $21 billion on him? And I, I, That might be the worst front office move in the last 25 years outside of bringing Marvin Lewis back for two more years. Look, there is... You know, there are answers, as Duke Merriweather, as you just pointed out, was saying, there are answers here. You just don't know what you have because you're not playing him. How do you know he's not that good? He hasn't had time to work on his deficiencies yet. Yes, he struggled in training camp last year. 
Yes, the Bengals had other options in Michael Jordan to take his place and Trey Hopkins, who replaced him in 2018 when he was injured. Give the man a chance. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's got potential, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, not that Joe Burrow has lost hope in the offensive mm. line by any means. I think that he's a guy that, really tough guy. I mean, he's going to get hit, and I think he knows that. But just to see maybe the offensive line after a first couple rough weeks maybe change a little bit, maybe just, just show Burrow that you're trying to fix things a little bit, too. I think that definitely has a big uh, big part in this. And not that, like I said, I think Joe Burrow is super tough. I mean, he, he's going to keep his head on his shoulders. But just to change the offensive lineup a little bit, give Billy Price a chance. Just, you know, get, get, the, get the front line mixing a little bit. You know, maybe see if we can, like, tweak some of these errors a little bit. And I think that also has an aspect in this, too. Yeah, and that it's going to make opposing defenses like Jacksonville upcoming week four. They have 10 days. Throw a wrinkle at them. And now they have to study Billy Price. And it's not just this game, but they're going to go back and look at, you know, 2018, uh, I keep forgetting, did he even play at all last year, Billy Price? Uh, minimal snaps. I remember in the at the end of the season, he played a game. I think he started against the Dolphins at left guard, and I think that or it was left or right guard. I don't remember, but I remember. I think it was Ben Baby. He said that was his best game all year was against the Dolphins, and he had played in a because he typically played right guard. So I think it was left guard. He started that game, and he had his best game of the year. But the thing I want to see is like you look at the defensive ends for the Eagles. But Derek Barnett, who is, you know, he's okay. Like, I mean, he went to Tennessee. He was a good defensive lineman in college. And he, you know, he's made some plays. Like, he made that big play in the Super Bowl. And then Brandon Graham, who is obviously, I wouldn't consider him elite, but he's good. You know what you're going to get out of him. But if you're, you're paying Bobby Hart all this money to go against guys like Brandon Graham. And if Bobby Hart it comes out and can't even... And just seems to be getting blown away by Brandon Graham. I just want to see them pit in a guy like Akeem Adeniji. Because just like you said, you don't know what you you don't know what you have. Why draft a guy if you're not even going to play him when your yeah. starters are struggling? And so just against like a not amazing defensive end unit, I just want to see us make decisions that are going to be beneficial for this football team moving forward. I mean, this is I mean, this shouldn't be. Marvin Lewis would do this too. He wouldn't put guys out there because you know just to see what they can do for you. He he wouldn't do that. He didn't do that with Auden Tate. You know. He didn't do that with John Ross's rookie season. So this coaching staff, I hope at least, is different than that. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, I really hope we see Auden Tate active on Sunday because we heard about after he was a healthy scratch against the Browns, his agent came out and said, well, you know, because I don't even think he had a single, I don't know how many snaps he played against the uh, Chargers, but it was very minimal. I know he definitely didn't have a target. And his agent said, well, if he's not going to get more playing time, then we might be looking into a trade. And I remember I was reading today, Jay Morrison, someone asked him, what's the probability of John Ross getting more snaps? And Jay Morrison said, it's probably more likely that John Ross is a healthy scratch. So I really want to see Auden Tate play because all offseason we talk about, oh, look at these big receivers that the Bengals have. A.J. Green, 6'4", T. Higgins, 6'4", Auden Tate, 6'5". I mean, you looked at you look how he played last year, and he played very well for a team with not very many bright spots, and he was kind of like the one lone bright spot. And so I just want to see Joe Burrow have all of his weapons at dispense because, I mean, realistically, John Ross, I mean, he probably won't even be on this team maybe after this year or the year after that. And so go with a guy like Auden Tate who's proven to have already made plays, and you know that he's a playmaker. I mean, he had such a great camp. We, we heard about it all offseason. 
Why not? Why, why aren't we playing him? What, what is the big deal with that? I don't understand it. So just give Joe Burrow as many weapons as you can. Give him the best opportunity to win. And, like, I don't know, for you, what do you think about this whole Auden Tate situation? I think he definitely should be playing because the reports coming out of training camp were very solid. I mean, Joe Burrow is, you know, he Auden Tate's a guy at six foot five. You can throw the ball. You can just throw it up, and he's going to make the catch. I mean, his catch radius is very, very – is pretty substantial. So, but, but, again, it's about getting him into a game – I mean, like you said, Justin, last year he had 40 catches in a touchdown for a team that wasn't very good offensively. The offensive line was crap. I mean, they had a fiasco of a situation at quarterback, and Ryan Finley uh, started three games, and he completed less than 50% of his passes in both in all three of those games. So what I look at the Audentay situation, I think you definitely should give him an opportunity. Again, this season, it's 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 two things. One, obviously, you're trying to com- you're competing to win games, right? But number two, it's for the future. You have your franchise quarterback. Great. Now it's about, okay, who are we going to surround him with? Are we going to keep on and say, are we going to keep John Ross? you got to, you know, give every single player opportunities. It's not just training camp. It's the season itself. That includes Billy Price. Know who your guys are going for because next year should be the year you start contending. Because that, that was my hope coming in. This year was going to be the stepping stone, probably 7-9, and 8-8. Why I said we win 11 games, I'll never know. <laughs> um, next year is going to be the year where you start contending, where we actually think, okay, how can this team beat the Ravens? Not just how can they stop the Ravens, how can they beat the Ravens and the Steelers? And heaven forbid, the Browns. Yeah, exactly. And I think you'd look at the pieces, and especially in the receiving core, which is, as we've talked about before, is very deep. And you obviously know what you have with A.J. Green. You know what you have with Tyler Boyd. Um, and then, yeah, you talked about Auden Tate. I really want to see what Auden Tate really has, you know, long-term. I don't think John Ross is a long-term option. So I'd rather see Auden Tate in there. And obviously, you don't know what you have with uh, T. Higgins. I mean, now with Uzama out, you're going to find out what you have with Drew Sample. And you talk about, like, building for the future. I think this is definitely the year to build for the future. Let's look at what we have and build off of that. And you can't do that when Auden Tate's not playing in a game. And that starts this game. Yep. That's why this game is so important. You win this game, there's a whole lot of hope. Because then this team will probably be probably be 2-2. Two and two. The Ravens game, look, I mean, we know what the Ravens are. I mean, this team, this team can compete with the Ravens, but can they beat the Ravens? Eh, I'm not sure. The Colts, not, again, not trying to get too far ahead of myself here, but the Colts is a toss-up game. I mean, they just beat Minnesota. I think Minnesota stinks. Yeah. Okay, the Browns, you can, they can beat the Browns. They showed they can play with them. Offensively, at least, yeah. and defensively, hopefully, the, hopefully the necessary adjustments will be made. Tennessee, their defense stinks. Their offense might be really good, but their defense isn't very good. So, look again. There's a lot of hope that can, there, there's this season, this game. It two avenues are are led from this game. Your season either goes off the rails or it gets on track a little bit, and you have a lot of hope going into a very winnable Week Four game. Again. They've shown some flashes these first two weeks. Again, this is not a bad football team. It all goes back to what I'm saying. This is a competitive football team. We don't know what this team's going to be like. But you've got to use every single guy on your roster. That includes Auden Tate and Billy Price. John Ross has been underwhelming so far. Mike Thomas has done better than him. Yeah. And as we enter the last few minutes of the show, if we just want to go around, and I want to say a key member, or a key member, key player for this week's upcoming game against the Eagles, 
who we think is going to have the biggest impact on the game, who do we think needs to have the biggest impact on the game, and then throw in your score prediction. So we can start Alex Preston, whichever, whichever one of you wants to go first. Well, you know I'm going to say Joe Mixon because I think the Bengals go as he goes, but he hasn't been able to get going. So I'm going to put the offensive line as my key to this game. I'm talking the right side. The right side of the offensive line. That's what I want to see. And quite frankly, I'm not confident in the Bengals winning this game. I just know what's going to happen. I think Miles Sanders is going to have a field day at running back. Carson Wentz is going to have, without Alshon Jeffrey, and uh, who else is out for the Eagles on offense? Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager, thank you. Rager, whatever his name is. Uh, I know I know what's coming, I think, and I don't like it. Eagles 34-20. I'm going to go with the not surprising option at all. I'm going to say Joe Burrow. I think that every single game, I think it's going to come down to the offensive line and Joe Burrow in some way, shape, or form. And I think that you, you said you mentioned the offensive line already. I think that the Eagles, um, they're going to get theirs a little bit. I think the defense, you know, is still a little bit roughed up. The Eagles are going to get theirs. They're not going to be completely shut down. I would like to see Joe Burrow. You know, he's taking a step from week one to week two. We saw a step just right there. I think he's he's progressing already in front of our eyes. And I think that if he can even take one more step, and this passing game can even go further, and maybe hopefully Joe Mixon can get going a little bit, maybe create a you know two-headed monster right there. I think that... If Joe Burrow can really get this receiving core going, I think the Bengals can win this game. But also, I think the Eagles will win this game. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. go Eagles 34, Bengals 27. All right. And I'm kind of I'm going to go kind of maybe a position that not many of us are really hopeful about, but especially going into this game. But I'm going to say the, def- the defensive ends, Carlos Dunlap and Sam Hubbard. You know, Carlos Dunlap, he had that critical error last week against the, I believe it was Kareem Hunt in that missed coverage, and it was a wide-open touchdowns for uh, Yeah, we already vented about that. Kareem Hunt. But you look at Carlos Dunlap, we extended him to this big contract, and he just hasn't been making the plays like he's been able to the last few years. Sam Hubbard, you know, we know we've gotten out of him the last couple of years, but these two guys against Jason Peters and Lane Johnson, two of the best tackles in the entire NFL, they need to make plays. They need to set the tone for this entire defensive line because if they get going, this whole defense kind of has a different swagger to them. They kind of play with a you know you know a chip on their shoulder. You know what I mean? So it's just like if they can get to Carson Wentz, they can get this whole defense going. And I think they kind of feed off those two guys because those are two of the biggest guys in the locker room. Those are two guys that are going to just get this whole defense going. Unfortunately, I don't I don't know if that'll be enough though because as much as I think that they need to have big games I just don't think that it's going to happen because Lane Johnson and Jason Peters like I said two best of two best offensive tackles in the entire NFL sorry I'm just trying to talk so fast but um I think Eagles are probably going to pull this one out I'll say 28 17 um so you know we'll all of us have the Bengals send a 0 and 3 after week three against the Eagles go wrong yeah so I hope we're wrong but I mean you never know so thank you so much for listening he is Preston Stober he is Alex Frank I am Justin Cashman, and this is the Bengals Bearcast Media Bengals Preview Show. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday.